Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify. The global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Welcome to the Sports Media Podcast. I'm your host, Richard Deitch. My producer is Patrick Antonetti. One guest this week, a familiar one, Chad Finn, the Boston Globe media writer, as well as columnist. It has been a while since we have done uh, a uh, sort of a just back and forth sports media chat on this podcast, and that's why I contacted Chad to uh, so we can do that since it has been some time. Chad, welcome back. Thanks, Rich. I think the last time I was on, it was me and Rudy Martsky, right? <laughs> Has it been that long? <laughs> it's, it, was, it was you and John Adams. Yeah. Oh, there you go. The Continental Congress. <laughs> um, all right. So a lot to get to, Chad. Let's start here. Not that this is necessarily the, um, the, the sort of biggest sports media story out there, but it's an interesting one because it, it's a very famous person and it's sort of reflective on what we're going to see in the future. And that is Al Michaels not getting a playoff game from NBC this year. I think some of that was um, – you can sort of tell – a little telegraphed, I think, just given um, Al's uh, parting with NBC, at least on a full-time basis. I know he had the uh, emeritus title, but you know, usually when you get the emeritus title, it's sort of uh, the beginning <laughs> of the, the end, so to speak, in terms of a relationship. But I have to right. admit, I was um, – I'm not surprised that they wanted to reward Ian Eagle, Todd Blackledge, Catherine Tappen to get a playoff game because that makes sense. You know, you um, you, you want to brand that team. You want to sort of tell them they did a they did a good job. At the same time, I, I, given they have three games, I'm pretty surprised that Al didn't get one of them. How did you see it? Yeah, definitely saw it that way. Um, I I thought Al, first of all, I think Al had a good year. There was a lot of uh, speculation that, uh, you know, he's struggling. I don't know if that's the right way to put it, but just wasn't as sharp as he used to be, I guess, uh, which you know, happens when you're in your late seventies, uh, last season, um, the Jaguars chargers game. I think you got some criticism for that playoff call. Uh, maybe it wasn't as energetic as you would have wanted for the, the way that game played out with Jacksonville making the huge comeback. But, um, I think he's had a great year. I think the chemistry with Kirk Herbstreet on the uh, Amazon Prime broadcast has really taken off this year. I've, had, I've paid attention uh, in some depth the, the last couple of weeks in particular. They had the Steelers-Patriots game, which I, I write about for the Globe anyway. So um, watching that broadcast a couple of times, they, those guys have a good chemistry now. And it really came through in that Raiders-Chargers blowout, uh, the, the Raiders smoking the Chargers and 
you know, Al saying, uh, you know, if this were Pop Warner, they'd stop the game. They had a couple of good lines like that. And I, I just think it's it's really made headway this year over, uh, you know, what it had been previously. And that that reflects that Al's still really super involved in the job and, and cares about it. And um, the other aspect of this, and I think you'd probably agree with me, is it just sucks the way he found out that uh, it was Andrew Marshawn, great reporter, um, who called in checked in had heard that he wasn't uh, going to be part of the broadcast and so now had no idea and uh, he certainly deserves better than that and I know there's been some uh, hard feelings a little bit with Al and some uh, at least one person in management at NBC about uh, uh, the the way he's been treated the last couple of years and and I know Al feels like maybe it's just one person that's against him over there so uh, I just felt like you should have found out better and I think he's still pretty darn good at it too. Well, so a couple things there. Uh, you know, excellent reporting by Marshan. The, the chronology of that is Marshan reached out to him in November, where um, following Marshan's reporting, Al sort of asking Marshan, like, "Hey, have you heard something in terms of me not doing the the playoff game?" I, like, I don't know officially when the decision was um, made, but obviously it was reported, but again by Marshan this um, this month. You know, usually with these decisions, though, Chad, it's like last year's playoff game um, was not good, although I think that was far more on Dungey than on Al. It's just not, to me, not a really a good choice for a game analyst. Um, uh, no, he's he's you know he's um, he's not a high energy guy. Yeah, like low energy and doesn't do a ton of the game, a, a ton of game work. And um, Alan, he had I don't know maybe they'd worked together before, but I, I'm trying to remember maybe not. I, maybe that was the first time. So I, you can't. I feel like you can't sort of hold that against him. I, I do think though that the reality of all this is like NBC has to have a secession plan. Tariko obviously succeeded Al, so they have that, and eventually they're going to have to move on. At a certain point, like this does happen. Um, I just again, it's very easy for me to say from this seat. It just seemed like it would have been very easy for him to you give him the game this year and then you know right. thank, thanks yeah. for the. Thanks for the memories. Thanks for the hard work. Uh, take care. But, you know, the reality of all this stuff is these are very, I mean, first world problems doesn't even probably sort of, <laughs> doesn't even sort of really <laughs> he, like. He's going to be okay. Is that yeah, what you're saying? It doesn't even fall under that. I mean, it's, you know, it's it's sort of, you know, silliness of first world problems. But it's big just because, again, this is, I think, the best play-by-play announcer in NFL history. Maybe some people would say some wrong. I actually think it's Michael's by a lot. And um and it's yeah, and yeah it's significant in that you're not gonna he's not gonna get a playoff game but again presuming something doesn't change Al will be back on Amazon next year that's still a you know a prime time package and um you know again has will have one of the premier jobs in the business but um, but NBC now does move on and then the real interesting question will be what does this mean for the Eagle Blackledge Tappan team? And do they become the de facto number two NFL team on that network? That's kind of interesting to me. You know, Tariko Collinsworth obviously are solidified at the top, but yeah. now is this the group uh, that does any extra NFL games? And most likely it probably does. Cause if you look in their roster, you know, unless they just put together somebody quick, um, you know, maybe, you know what I'm saying? Like, I mean, they, they obviously have analysts who could like theoretically do it. I mean, you can put anybody on football night in America, like on one of those. Jason games. Garrett. Yeah. Someone like yeah. that. Um, I think he may end up getting one of these playoff games. I know they've got uh Tirico and Collinsworth doing two. I know Tirico's doing two. I'm not sure Collinsworth is. I think he may only do one and then they move. Oh, that's interesting. Garrett over into the 
Yeah, he's done. He's done something, right? He's been in the booth before. I can't remember top of my head what it is, but yeah, he has, I, he has done some color. Yeah, I'm not sure he's you know I, not necessarily praised. I think if I remember right for that color work either. I don't know if he would. Uh, no, he's better than Dungy. Well, yes, like I would agree with that. <laughs> uh, what about Devin McCourty? If you want to try something different. Yeah. Um, uh, where are you on Devin? I think yeah I think yeah from what I've seen on football night in America I think he's um I think he's a good communicator I think he's he's there's a lot of value in having him there because he's right off the field so I think he yeah. has a he has a sense of who is playing um on Sundays no offense to like Chris Sims or someone like that but you know he's he's now removed for a while let alone like his right. people like his dad so yeah I, I actually think both McCordy's are really really talented and I totally see Devin having a nice future at NBC yeah I think it's just kind of up to Devin what he wants to do because uh he's really well regarded I, I spent some time uh in Stanford at NBC with him a couple weeks ago just spent the day with him watched him you know, how he prepares and, and what they do before they're actually on the air. And uh, he puts in the work and it was really impressive to see how plugged in he is, like, as you said, because he's fresh off the field. That's the same thing it was with Romo initially when right. he just he, he had played against everybody. He knew everything and it really translated right away to his um, analysis. Uh, Devin has done some games on the radio. He did one with his brother in Iron Eagle. Recently, he did some stuff for the Patriots, like a Manning cast type of thing with his brother, and they were fantastic during the preseason. Uh, so his star is really ascending, and he's already got one of the prime jobs in NFL sports media on Sunday Night Football Studio program. Uh, but I, th I think with him, it's just a matter of... Uh, whether he wants to remain in the studio or he decides he wants to do more on-site stuff and, and calling games, but uh, he's going to have any option he wants. I think his uh, he's super highly regarded by the people that that he uh, he works with. Cadelli actually didn't even audition him. He uh, wow. He had done some stuff at the um, what is it the uh, the you know the media camp. What do they call yeah, broadcast that? Players boot, boot, to, broadcast players Yeah, camp. broadcast boot camp. Yeah. And uh, he liked him and Jason so much that he realized then he was going to try to hire Devin when he retired. Uh, he'd done that before his last season with the Patriots. So uh, when you impress Fred like that, you know you're doing something right. Interesting. I'm Mark Chapman. Welcome to the Planet Premier League podcast. Each week, Cesc Fabregas, Nader Manua and myself talk all things Premier League. As a player, you don't have time to talk. No. You don't have time to make a plan. You just need to deal with wave after wave after wave. We watched Coach Carter and he said, oh, afterwards, the game's just about doing this for your teammates. And I remember looking around halfway through the film and half the squad was asleep. <laughs> Planet Premier League. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. All right, let's move on to uh, next topic. Um, real sports. Their, I think it was 29 years, their run has ended. Uh, HBO's uh, Sports Investigative News magazine. Um, I have to concede that obviously I, I didn't watch real sports in the last couple of years nearly as much as I did for much of its run. Um, that's, I don't know what that says about me. Um, and that's a shame <laughs> because like, um, it's not a reflection of the quality of their work. I just, you know, it just, it didn't become part of my um, rotation as much, but I have such immense respect for um, the work that they did. And the thing that sort of comes to me, Chad, is that like, does this now represent the era of any kind of show like this existing? Um, ESPN still does investigative work and the investigators like yeah. Don Van Natta. And, E60. Yeah. And um, 
you know, uh, Paul Levine and, and TJ Quinn, th- those are all really super talented people. And yeah, you'll see some E60 stuff, but like, doesn't it feel like this sort of signifies the end of this kind of investment in a show, which is really, um, disappointing, but the, like the reality is like, you know, if you're an executive and you're like charged with like, my job is to get like viewership and ratings for one of these Fox sports or or uh, ESPNs or something like that. You're, you're just you're just going to create some kind of debate show, right? And like, it's cheaper, um, it's easier. You already have the studio. I mean, both of us know from working at legacy yeah. media places, like journalism is expensive as hell. And sometimes it like you don't get the story. Sometimes like the money just sort of goes underground because you can't nail it. So I, it saddens me to think that I don't I don't think another real sports is coming anytime soon. How do you see it? Yeah, I'm with you, at least in that format, uh, you know, on a, uh, I guess, a streaming service now, but, uh, you know, cable television, uh, it's hard to figure that, especially over the last couple of years, that their viewer num- viewership numbers were particularly good. Uh, just, just people have so many more options. You have to make, unfortunately, kind of a commitment to sitting down and watching one of these new shows and, and uh you know, a lot of people turn off their brains when they're watching television late at night and, uh, uh, you know, don't, don't lean toward the journalism, but more toward the debate shows. And you look at the traffic that these, I know the time of day is different, but the, the, the traffic and viewership that, uh, you know, Stephen A. Smith brings to ESPN and, uh, doesn't really apply to skip with Fox, but, um, it's just uh, it, it's a better investment, unfortunately, for the companies to do these debate shows than it is to pay for their journalism uh, for a show like, you know, like real sports that uh, maybe doesn't draw the eyeballs that some of the other stuff does. It's a shame, too, because like they really did great pieces on like um, the IOC, uh, sort of some of their famous pieces and just the corruption there. Concussions. I remember uh, probably the piece that gets most talked about is. Um, um, children being forced to uh, be jockeys for camel races in the Middle East. That um, that that piece really uh, sort of tracked far and wide. Um, you know, Brian Gumble. Um, he's in his seventies. I think his contract's up. Uh, they're now HBO is now part of the Warner Brothers Discovery. Uh, you know, um, organization company. They're always cutting essentially the Zaslav Empire. Yeah, right, and so. You know, they're not. It takes a certain kind of executive who would green light that kind of program. And I think probably the only executive who would would be somebody who has a journalism background. Right. And not a yep. mogul background. And so that's sort of my fear is that, like, you know, I wonder if we're going to see this stuff again. We're going to still see magazine journalism in some form, but um, right. a daily, weekly dedicated show to sports investigative journalism man i i i hope i'm wrong but i I don't see that coming again during the rest of our professional careers chad it's hard to see it as a standalone thing it's too bad uh you know brian gumbel hanging up the the yellow notepads i mean i feel like i've been watching that show for uh, you know most of my life i mean 29 years you know that that's not most of my life but i i think back to when we first got cable television and that was one of the the interesting things about watching uh you know watching hbo was um having the opportunity to to catch a a sports magazine show with real journalism like that and uh you know they didn't always do it was wasn't always the uh the 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 features and investigative stuff that sometimes um 
you know, painful, difficult to watch because it's exposing something uh, unjust. But they also did just tremendous features on yes. the most prominent people in sports. And not, I wouldn't call them like feel good things, but no, they kind of were sort of too. And uh, they had a really good balance with that sort of thing. Yeah. I mean, they listen, at the end of the day, they had obviously great producers. You can't do those shows without great producers and great writers. And, um, and tremendous correspondence, you know, Andrew yeah. Kramer, Armin Katayan, you know, David Scott, et cetera, John Frankel. Um, they, you know, there's a reason like the show was what it was because the talent was as such. Um, so, uh, so we bid goodbye to real sports and, uh, pretty amazing legacy. Did you get a pretty heavy PR push from them usually? Um, I did for many years. Um, yeah, me too. Not, not as much, uh, lately just because, um, uh, HBO sports is different. You know, they still had people who were, um, pushing the show and did, and really cared about and did a great job on that. It's just different. Like, you know, HBO sports as an entity, um, when they had, you know, a gigantic PR office run by Ray Stallone, it's just a different world now. You know what I mean? So that's where I think it's any HBO sports kind of push is always going to be different than sort of what it used to be i was always impressed by the effort they put into you know making sure the show got yeah, yeah, some, i uh, still got yeah got some I, attention i will be clear that like i always still got screeners all the time and i i, I do appreciate yeah. that as well but you know like the reality is like you need more than like our little niche space like me you right. or oran right. martian whatever like you, you it has to has to cross over to the 25 year old who's tweeting or on TikTok or whatever. Yeah. yeah, and that's that's the challenge. Check out our new NBA show Beyond the Arc, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network, where you can find me, John Gonzalez, NBA insider Bill Ryder, and Ashley Nicole Moss, 5 days a week talking all things NBA. Whether you're looking for insightful discussions, upbeat commentary, breaking news, interviews, or coverage of all the biggest stories in the NBA, our new show is the place to be 5 days a week. Download and follow Beyond the Arc on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you get your favorite podcasts. All right. We're still a ways away from this, but if I had to ask you today, what do you think a good outcome would be for the NBA when it comes to their uh, their um, their upcoming media rights? Oh, that's a good question. I mean, as a, as a huge basketball fan, I wish it would just be status quo because I really like how it is right now. Obviously, that's not going to be the case. Um, there's going to be some direct to consumer element to this. Uh, they're going to get away from, I mean, the, when was last right steel signed 2014? Yeah, that sounds right. Or 2016. Cable, I'll look it up as you're talking. Yep. Yeah. Cable was a hundred million subscribers back then. It's maybe two thirds of that now, if that. Yeah. 70 million. Um, it, um, the 2014, yeah. the, the nine year deal gets announced right. starting with 20. 16 17 so it runs through uh this la- this current media right still runs through next season 24 25 yeah. is the last season right right and the current uh the uh, Warner Brothers Discovery TNT whatever you want to call it and ESPN have uh like this little not sure how long it runs but an exclusive window to negotiate with this but you just i worry that uh you know one of the tech companies is going to take it away from from TNT and uh you know we'll see how how that would all shake out but i i feel like between the inside the nba and their their game broadcasts um this has been 
kind of the ideal for for what you would want as a fan for a broadcast team and and uh, a game presentation and you know if Amazon Prime or you know somewhere else ends up with this it just it's not going to be the same but it feels inevitable that uh whether it's direct to consumer one of these streaming services one of these tech companies is going to end up with a portion of this because the NBA has so many appealing elements that uh, the, these television networks and streaming services and and uh, on and on want, which is a young demographic. Uh, viewership's gone up. Uh, tons of appealing stars who are great on social media. Um, uh, it's just, it, the league has a lot going for it, and it's pretty fortunate this contract's coming up when it is. You know, the, even the in-season tournament now that was a huge hit that I think people are skeptical about. Another appealing part of their package, and uh, uh, you know, I I like how it is now, but I recognize it's it's going to change, and I just I can't imagine it's going to change for the better. Yeah, it's definitely going to change. So I give us some, some thoughts on this. So just so people know, the exclusive the exclusive negotiating window is um early march to um i think early may or the last week of april so i think it's 45 days if i remember so that's sort of when espn and warner brothers discovery will have um their exclusivity i'd be really surprised if something got signed during that or something like that it just seems that's not in the nba's best interest i think chad what's very clearly going to happen is you're going to have a third party at a minimum yep. come in most likely, I think that will be Amazon. That that's not reporting. It's just sort of call it informed guesswork. Um, you know, I think others will probably kick the tires on it, whether it's like a Netflix or an Apple. But you know, Amazon to me, just given their sports background, makes a lot of sense on that. And the real question, you know, I know I think Marshan has even reported NBC. That's kind of interesting. Makes some sense too. They made it clear that they want it. Yeah, right. The um, I think Fox is the only one for sure who's not going to be involved in this. Um, I think, in fact, if I remember, Lachlan Murdoch may have actually said that in some some uh, some open um, Q and A session with like analysts. So, to me, if you're in the NBA, you have to expand it. You have to get beyond just the two rights partners. It's really the only way you're going to be able to get significant increase. And, and I still think they're going to come close to doubling. Um, you know the triple thing. There was sort of one report. I, I know people run with that, but I've only seen one well, like place. seventy billion a year. Yeah, I think I've only seen yeah. that reported once, and it was a long time ago. So I, you know, I mean, that doesn't sort of seem like the, you know, certainly not in this market like the reality. But you know, double is the double would be incredible in twenty twenty four, and I think if they even got forty percent or something like that, it'd be pretty, pretty huge. But but I think that like. It'll, I think ESPN absolutely retains. It's so core to their business, so I can't see that not happening. I would be very surprised if WBD isn't still part of this. Um, I could be wrong on that, but I just it just feels like they're they're going to want some of that inventory, and then and they've served the league so well. Yeah, and then you figure I mean, out who your who your sort of at a minimum your third entity is. The real question is going to be like how it's split. That's the real interesting story to me. Is like who gets what. And how yeah. much? And I would not be surprised if ESPN and WBD slash Turner got less inventory this time around um, to mm. save a little bit of money. And then some of that inventory obviously goes elsewhere. The big inventory is the postseason, right? And the NBA Finals. That that's going to be really interesting right. to see where which ESPN's insistent on having. I think they'll have the, the ESPN will have a big piece of that. The question will be: Do they have? Um, do they have it all? You know, if, again, if they split the finals with another party like an NBC or an Amazon, that'd be interesting. Adam Silver has some decisions to make in terms of how much, how comfortable is he putting some premium inventory behind 
you know what I mean, behind a paywall, like yeah. direct to consumer. And that's the real that's the real interesting question is is the NBA now at a point where like they'd put like a conference final on Amazon. You know what I mean? Or they'd do this. And if you're Amazon, you almost have to insist on that, I think. Um, sure, for what they're know, gonna be paying. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, or maybe you can depending on what you pay, maybe you can make it like a single special night or something like that. But I don't know. If I was Amazon's executives, I, I would want playoff inventory. Like I, I just to well, me that's uh, valuable. Um and then you're right, the in season tournament's interesting. And they do now have another sort of thing they can sell. And it'll yeah, be interesting. it's not branded yet. Yeah, and it, it, it and we'll see how that plays out. Again, um, the impressive thing about that is they turned something into valuable content in season. They made regular season games more valuable, which is one of the hardest things to do for any league. You know, again, it's not the NBA Finals. I think the, whatever the final drew, four or five million, uh, which is a great regular season number. So they'll have to figure out what to do with that. But, um, you know, this could be the last big one, though, in terms of just like mega increases for a major property um because you know you do wonder other than the nfl obviously maybe the college football playoffs like you know what else will be out there where people are going to break the bank and um and i don't know i don't know if those other properties exist you know i think if you were if you're really going to go crazy like you'd want some college football obviously you'd want the nfl and you'd gamble that the nba is going to be um, an ascendant property still as the as the years go on. So this is an interesting one to watch just because of, um, I think it sort of sets the market for in terms of the the, the ceiling for the next couple of years. Yeah. Well, you I, you you mentioned NBC uh, who uh, has made it clear their interest in this, and it reminded me of the uh, Sunday night football game last night where at the end Mike Tirico is really hammering home that they've got an exclusive game on Peacock, uh, an NFL game. I mean, how much of this uh, interest from NBC is the opportunity to actually make, put some games on Peacock, maybe put a decent chunk of games on Peacock and make what has been kind of a mediocre streaming service a a little bit more appealing? I mean, I... I, I, You're going to get a call from uh, Greg Hughes and Rick Cordell in like five minutes. (laughs) I'll let you know. I'll turn my ringer off right now. But uh, yeah, it just... uh, I don't know. So many angles to it. And uh, I I do tend to think they're going to get more than twice what the, you know, what the uh, what they're getting now for for rights, because so many people interested and and, uh, have the the motivation to spend those billions of dollars for this property. Yeah, I find this for Peacock just because they get WWE programming. But, um, you know, the the we are eventually going to get to a point where, um, you know, consolidation with all the streaming services is either going to have to exist where. You know, you can buy a streaming bundle if that's possible, where like the the big players get together. But um, it's not sustainable long term. Like just for the, the the average fan, cannot have you know Paramount Plus, Peacock, uh, yeah, ESPN Plus, Disney Plus. You know what I'm saying? It's just it's just it's not you're right. you're, you're asking people to spend um, too much money, let alone their own regional sports networks wherever they are for who they're. Um, who their favorite team is. So um, it's pretty interesting to see. But I, by the uh, way, I didn't mean to interrupt you. Like, I agree with you. I think if NBC gets any part of the NBA package, I think you will sit, you'll have games on Peacock. Oh, of they, course. Yeah. yeah they, they have yeah. to make that service uh, attractive for buyers. And so you would put NBA content on there. Well, they got office reruns and uh, Dan Patrick show. So I guess that's a pretty good place to start. No, that's pretty much it, all I watch on there. Um, This is in your neck of the woods, but 
do you give any possibility of Bill Belichick heading to the media as opposed to taking in another job if his Patriots run ends? Uh, I would give it a higher percentage than I think most people would. Um, what that percentage is, is not high, maybe 10, 10%, maybe a little higher than that. Um, I tweeted before he was on college game day for the army Navy game at Gillette last week that people are going to be reminded that he's actually really good on TV. You know, they get beaten over at the head by his, uh, we're on to Cincinnati, uh, right. You know, repetitive, not answering anything, stoic at best press conferences. uh, And forget that when he's done TV stuff, he's been fantastic. He was part of a Fox Super Bowl. uh, He won an Emmy for uh, his NFL Network stuff. Yeah, for the top 100, um, top 100 players of all time. He's he's really good at it. And he's uh, he's energetic, engaging incredibly knowledgeable obviously and i think if he decided he wanted to do this for a year or maybe test drive it to see if he wants to do it for more than a year that suitors would be lining up because they saw what he was like on game day they they uh, wouldn't have to search far to see how good he was with fox uh, years ago and of course he's bill belichick you know one of the most successful people in the history of the nfl so i think there's a possibility um, I haven't seen a lot of indication that he doesn't want to coach anymore, even though the Patriots are terrible. He'll he'll have job offers if it's over for him here. But I, I would not write off TV because uh, he's good at it. Yeah, I agree. I, 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 I think he would be good at it. And, um, I, you know, I'm not I don't know who is close to him, but uh, if he's burned out or if he just wants a break, man, he can make a fortune yeah. for a year just, you know, working for one of these places and probably would have a sp- you know, he pick a spot if he wanted to do games or studio. So that's not a way. Something to sort of pay attention to, if nothing else. Put him with Brady on the Fox broadcast. Be Somebody awesome. said that in my mention. Can you imagine yeah. that? It would be amazing. I I don't know if uh, I don't. Know, it'd be interesting if Fox is willing to put another ten to fifteen million for a year. Uh, <laughs> right. Poor Greg Olson. We just can, can keep moving down the the chain. College football semifinals are coming up, and. I think um, they got a real shot to get a massive viewership number, particularly for that Alabama-Michigan game. Do um, you have any sort of thoughts on the uh, the viewability in this? You know, you have you have three teams in the Final Four: Alabama, Michigan, and Texas, which are historically really, really good viewership teams. Alabama and Ohio State, far and away, are the two best. I would put Michigan third, and then I would put Texas in the top five or six. No offense to Washington. Um, they're, they're a good viewership team, too, but those other teams are at a different level. But, um, you know, if you want to p- sort of fuel the conspiracy theorists on they, they, <laughs> they wanted to take the best television teams, these are, you know, these are about as close to great television matchups as you can get, certainly that Alabama-Michigan one. Yeah. I mean, what do you think the – the viewership number is going to be for these. Last year was about 22 million for each of the games. You had that crazy Georgia Ohio State game, um, which I think was the higher rated of the two, or had the most viewership of the two by you know less than a million. But um, it, do do you think there's actually going to be a significant jump from the two games last year because these matchups are so good? Uh, you know, significance always like you know sort of a tricky word there because. Um, you know, what sort of significance would, you know, what does it mean is significant? Like 5 million more viewers last year was 10% more. 
Yeah, I think 10% more for sure for the Michigan-Alabama semi. Um, wow. I'd feel pretty confident on that. Um, I'm a little less... Um, I, I, I'm not... Sh- you know, it's weird. Like, I don't know... Again, these these games are going to do great. Like you know, on the low end, there'll be eighteen million, nineteen million. Um, I'm not sure of the national appeal of Texas and yeah. Washington. I thought you were going to say that Alabama, Michigan, for sure. Uh, so I, yeah, I, if I had to guess, um, I'm trying to think last year. So we had the we had Michigan and TCU. Yeah. As I'm looking, I'm trying to see if I could find like what the times were for each. Like who had who was the early game and who was the um Oh yeah, that's a good the, point. The late game. Um I think I think if I had to guess, I think both are gonna be up. That's gonna be my guess. I definitely the Michigan game will top the twenty two point four million in my opinion, which was the high for the semi last year. And then I'm just a little, um, a little more. That was Georgia, Ohio State, right? Yeah, a little more unsure on, um, on the other game. I mean, Ohio State is a massive viewership team. I mean, if you know, if if I had to pick one team like to sort of guarantee me viewership, it would be them. But I do think Michigan, Alabama. If that game is close, it just represents. I mean, the the two biggest conferences, right? Two very famous historical programs. And those are two national teams that people outside of those states root for. And so, a little controversy with both too. Yeah. So yeah, I'm gonna go I'm gonna go for fun and say twenty four million. What do I know? Wow. All right. I'll hear that. Okay. Too big too big, it's, you think, uh, maybe? No, I, I, I don't. Uh, I I'm with you on Texas too. Um it it as good as Quinn Ewers is as quarterback and uh, I, I think they would have more national appeal if uh you know, they had that famous last name freshman yes. starting a quarterback who's, you know, moved up to a second in the depth chart with the transfer. But um And they should yeah, by they, the way, they the 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 title game should do um should do good just because you're guaranteed either Alabama or Michigan. So um the, Michigan the Ohio State again. Well I'm just saying like you're you're guaranteed one of these top teams in the in the in the in the national championship oh, one of, game, yeah, one of those two from that game, sure, yeah, yeah. So I think in that sense, you're, um, you know, you probably should, you probably should do, should be okay in terms of the, in terms of the national championship game as well. Yeah, I don't know if it'll be, it's not gonna be a record, but it'll do, it'll do well. And then, you know, all this obviously sets up for next year when the playoffs come, and, um, you know, where they, where those playoff games end up airing, you know, which networks, and then. Um, I think the most interesting thing for me about the college football playoffs next year, just in terms of like a TV media play is how will those lower level games do? Like, you know, how does like uh number nine playing number 12 do kind of interested in that, you know, and how, like how, how would they compare to um, in a playoff format versus if those two teams are playing in a bowl? Yeah. I mean, and they Probably should do a little more appeal, right? Yeah, yeah, definitely. I'm just saying like yeah. that, I, like I'm not very interested. I mean, again, I'm not the hardest core college football fandom um you know i certainly follow it and I w- i'll watch the, the big games but i'm not watching most of the bowl games but i think i would have significant interest watching any playoff game even, yeah yeah I mean, it, d- it like definitely the, amplifies it a little bit more yeah for sure like the number 12 team um even right. arguing uh 12 and 13 and who really deserve to be in yeah all right last one we'll do this quick um yeah i'm sure you read the futurism story about um 
Sports Illustrated um, contracting out to use um, uh, an AI company to do like these, you know, artificially intelligent, like generated like uh, reviews of stuff, uh, you know, volleyball, whatever, volleyballs and stuff like that. Um, you know, Sports Illustrated that that ended up causing um, significant turnover at that place with some management types, and um, you know, I was obviously wish my uh, former place and the people who are still working there the the, the best possible situation uh, um, in a in a terrible management situation. But it does get chat to the larger point in that, like, you know, we're starting to sort of see this idea of like maybe AI popping up in newsrooms. Um, and I'm just going to use the sports. Uh, I'm just going to stick to sports in this case, um, where in maybe some smaller papers, uh, where like. The AI sort of um, technology serves as like the high school reporter, uh, or the, yeah. the, the, you know what I'm saying. Right. Like that turns out to be like where the the high schools are covered. And man, that that really just feels like just you know just a horrible shit show. Um, but you can totally see these big companies doing that. Where if it's like, hey, why should we pay sixty thousand or fifty thousand dollars for some reporter to? go out and cover the high schools. We got to pay for their travel and stuff like that, where, you know, we'll just have, I don't even know how you do it, but you know, we'll have coaches call in the scores or we'll do this or we'll do that. And it's, and everything turns out to be AI generated. I don't really worry as much for like AI, like replacing like uh, Chad Finn at the Boston globe or, uh, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Or, or Darren Orlovsky on ESPN. I think in sports, at least as I think about it in 2024, that's what worries me more is, um, is like in places that don't have a ton of money to start with or newspapers that don't have a ton of money to start with where we start to see this kind of technology replace human beings. Yeah. I mean, they're trying to do it already and the quality is horrible. Uh, you've seen, uh, was it, uh, was it in Ohio? Yeah. Uh, I think I in Gannett, some, a Gannett place, I think. Yeah. Again. Yeah. Um, which I believe used the same company that, uh, sports illustrated did. Um, that that company makes it pretty clear that it uh, offers AI options and uh, is disingenuous at best. What Sports Illustrated management said about it at the time, or the corporate, not not necessarily the newspaper side, but I mean the uh, magazine side uh, and, and journalism side. But um, yeah, it's it feels inevitable. Uh, you've seen their early attempts to do it, and it's an absolute joke uh, from the standpoint of somebody who's been in this business for almost 30 years, um, that's where a lot of people learned how to do the job. The vast majority, I would say, of sports writers learned how to uh, uh, hit deadlines and um, uh, conduct interviews and um, keep their own information by covering high school sports and building relationships and earning the trust of people. Uh, that's where you get your baseline for being a reporter. And, uh, if AI is going to do that, then then where does that leave journalism and sports journalism as a whole, where people aren't even getting the the roots and the baseline uh, uh, experience that you you really need to to do this job as well as you can? And uh, there's a lot worrisome about AI. AI there's a lot uh, that's that's scary about it, and I would classify this as something that's disappointing about it because it's going to have an effect on. Uh, sports journalism in terms of not just what it's producing, but 
um, how it affects people that are trying to get into this business. Yeah. I mean, listen, there's no question that uh, media companies are going to use AI. They're already doing that um, to try to make their productions uh, faster, quicker, like sort of that's inevitable and you can't really get away from that. The, the real issue, obviously, it's just like what the the writers and screen actors guild were fighting is like, you know, the issue is like, will it replace human beings and will yeah. it cost jobs? Um, and companies can say that, oh no, that's not going to happen. We wouldn't do that. But like, you're fooling yourself if you're going to pledge loyalty to a company or a, or a corporation on this one. So, you know, again, I'm obviously no expert on it by any means, but it is something to watch and something to pay attention to. I do know just from covering, you know, a lot of the game broadcasts, like there, all these places are already using AI in some form. I mean, Amazon's football broadcast is like a, is a, is a whole AI kind of, uh, especially their, their alternative broadcast. It's sort of all AI produced stuff. Uh, that's how you get a lot of the next gen stuff and stuff like that. So yeah, um, something to totally pay attention to. Um, all right, Chad, anything else you want to add before I get you out of here? Mm, right, why don't you promote no, your book? I feel like we, we've hit a, what, let's say, let's promote your, the book for Christmas, uh, uh, gifts. Oh yes, the uh, the the Boston Globe story, of the Red Sox. I always forget this is the first Christmas that's been out because it feels like so long ago that I was working on it. But uh, yeah, it's a uh, it's a glo- history of the Globe's coverage of the Red Sox, and um, it's available everywhere and a pretty good uh, pretty good bargain on Amazon right now. And I'm also working on a Celtics version of this, compiling all of uh, the amazing Bob Ryan, Jackie McMullen, uh, Adam Himmelsbach, uh, Lee Montfill, all these great stories we've had over the years uh, into a book that comes out in October. So buy the Sox one and then get the Celtics one when it comes out uh, a little while down the road. Nice. All right. Well, I, I'll give my own promotion now for a book, uh, <laughs> the 2023 Year's Best Sports Writing, which I was uh, very fortunate and privileged to guest edit this year. That's out in bookstores. Uh, right here on my desk. Oh, thank you. Uh, yeah. Chad, if you ever ever in a bookstore in your area, take a photo for me because, like, you know, I've obviously seen it in bookstores here in Toronto, but um, I haven't been to the states since the book is out. So it's always very exciting but, to me to like actually believe it's at a bookstore because I don't really have any evidence that it is other than <laughs> faith. Um, so if yeah, if you happen to see one, if you're in Boston or somewhere, to snap one, and if you see it, just snap one for me because it's. Uh, um, I'm sure you would concur. Like this is the first book that I have like my name on yeah. the side and it's an incredible thrill just to see it in a bookstore it was, it's just like the coolest possible thing um so it uh, is yeah very very cool all right so by by uh uh check out the book that chad uh um uh, edited and uh, he as he mentioned uh, he's going to do the same thing for the celtics uh with the boston globe which will be incredible because obviously the celtics uh uh, and the Boston Globe are synonymous. All right, Chad Finn of the Boston Globe, uh, thank you for your time, and uh, you'll certainly be back, and uh, have a great holiday season to you and yours. Awesome. Same to you, Rich. Take care. Okay, back in the studio. My thanks to Chad Finn, as always, for coming on. Um, if you like these kind of podcasts, head to the archives. Uh, we've had some cool stuff. Shohei Otani just joined your team. How would you cover him? That was with my colleague, uh, Fabian Ardaya, who covers the uh, Dodgers for the Athletic, and give you a sense of what it's going to be like to cover Shohei. Uh, Laura Rutledge of ESPN was on this podcast in December. Great interview there. Check her out. Ernie Johnson, the host of uh, Inside the NBA, on this podcast in early December as well. Again, another uh, very thoughtful interview. And then uh, Randy Scott of ESPN, who uh, talked about going public with mental health struggles. Uh, That's November 27th. He was terrific. Ted Robinson, an amazing career, especially in tennis. Pac-12 Network's now on November 24th and uh, Joe Buck and Jason Benetti before that 
If you like these podcasts, leave us a five-star review and a nice note. I do read uh, the reviews and we do see them. Generally speaking, they're usually really, really good. Sometimes people have complaints um, and we try to do our best to, to listen to those. Uh, but again, this is how the podcast continues. If, if, if the podcast is sitting there at like 51 stars, but this podcast no longer, will no longer continue. It's just commerce. So, uh, so the people who liked it and the people who reviewed it, thank you very much. It means a lot and, and it's appreciated. I want to thank Patrick Antonetti for his hard work. Thanks to everybody at Odyssey for their support. And thank you for listening. We'll see you soon on the Sports Media Podcast.